0: Welcome back to the Innovate for Impact podcast, Dan Bentley here and as always joined by Tracy Newman. Trace, how's it going?
1: Oh, it's going really well. We've had a big week this week at Impacto because we've actually been in the same room at the same time together in real life for about the first time in two years. So it's pretty exciting
0: yeah Tracy came over to Melbourne for some work with one of our clients and we were able to spend a bit of time together which was which was pretty cool so went out for a nice dinner and uh, got to celebrate some of our wins for the last six months um, I think one of them obviously really um relevant to you guys as listeners of the podcast is that in that week we hit 3,000 downloads for the podcast, which is essentially 3,000 listens. So thank you to all of you for being so consistent in your listening and all of you new podcast listeners that have jumped on board in the last, you know, little while to, to start listening to the content. We really appreciate it.
1: It's pretty exciting.
0: It is. Well, what we're going to talk about today is technology adoption curves. Look, there might be some people out there that have heard of this before, but what we want to try and do is talk you through this particular, uh, I guess, model and then talk a bit about how this can be applied to your work in this sector. We use this, this model a bit. And essentially, what a technology adoption curve is, is it's, it's a way of understanding the different needs of different types of people who might be looking to adopt your product or service or whatever it is that you're creating. It is called a technology adoption curve, but it's not limited to technology. It essentially is the adoption of change. And you can apply this model to most types of change, whether that be with your clients whether that be internally in your organization um it doesn't really matter it's it's very the principles of this kind of remain the same so we're gonna we're gonna take you through it first of all explain a little bit about what it is and and, and all the different elements of it and then like i said earlier we'll then take you through you know how can you actually apply this to to what you do
1: it's really helpful because it gives you these different ways to understand people and give you those sort of different i guess user personas if you like and think about well, what is it that these different people need at these different at different points in time
0: that's it so look this is not something that we've made up it is a it's a pretty famous uh, innovation tool i guess it was created in the 1950s and it was used at first to look at The success of farms and home economics, believe it or not, it was then I think later on a couple of years later then rechanged and 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 updated to to look at technology and how that was adopted. So it does come from the states. Uh, It's got a pretty long history and it's you know backed by some sort of like social science and and a whole heap of other bits and pieces but let's sort of go into it and explain like how it all works okay so what i need you to sort of picture here this is the thing with a podcast right we need to sort of like draw a diagram for you but in your minds so what we want you to picture here is a bell curve right and there's a number of different steps along that bell curve so at the very first left hand side you have a group called the innovators okay and they take up about 2.5 percent generally of your population And Essentially, what the innovators are is that they're the group of people who are the the first people to make a step of adoption to your technology, service, change, whatever that might be. You might be thinking, well, who's an innovator? Maybe, Maybe I'm an innovator. Well, I'll put this out there right now. With technology in general, I'm generally not an innovator. I'm not one of those people who's going to line up to get the latest phone. I'm not going to be one of those people who um, would try like a beta version of a of a program or or something like that. I'm not one of those people that necessarily gets it before and everyone's even heard of it. You know, that's that's not who I am. But even though I do innovation in my work, but a lot of people are, and these are those people that are willing to do that sort of thing. So they might be a part of a pilot program. They might be a part of like I said, they might try the beta version of whatever it is you're creating before you even release a, a proper version. And essentially what these people, their characteristics are is that they love to try new things. They love to take on new responsibilities and they've got this huge energy that really encourages others to try you know these other products and apps and services out as well. They're just really enthusiastic people and they don't really have a fear of failing. They just excited by whatever it is that they're about to adopt. And so, that makes them the absolute perfect candidates for people to, to, to get on board with, you know, first with what you're trying to do because with their, you know, sort of carefree mindset and their their way of thinking... They're able to really get in there, give it a go um, and be able to give you some really good feedback uh, along the way so that you can then sort of move your way down this curve and get more and more people to adopt the change that you're looking to implement. And that's what this is really all about is by looking at it like this, it's really easy for you to sort of break it down and go, okay, this is the area that uh, these are the first group of people that can get involved. And then how do you then sort of learn from that group to then get that next group on board and, and keep going?
1: Yeah, and you touched on it before, Dan, because these are people who are okay with failure, they're okay with things not working really well, they're a great place to, you know, spend time to really test things out with because they're, you know, they're okay if things don't work the way that they're supposed to and they're really great to sort of go to and, and get that feedback and, and sort of work with, with this group of people to sort of iron out any, uh, you know, potential kinks in the system before you sort of, you know, would release something out more broadly.
0: So the next group that we're going to talk about, so that was our innovators. They're at the very far left-hand side of that bell curve, just that first 2.5%. The next group we're looking at are the early adopters and they're that next 13.5%. It's very specific. And early adopters, they're very similar to innovators. Like they're very comfortable at taking risks uh, and really good with introducing like uh, trending technology, etc. But there are some small uh, differences. They do need to have an opinion first usually on the technology that they've been exposed to before they'll give it a shot so they're less likely whilst they are very enthusiastic whilst they are probably also happy to deal with some bugs and some issues with whatever it is that they're part of they need that little bit more convincing than those innovators they're not just jumping on board for the sake of oh look bright new shiny new thing they're jumping on board because they're like okay I've kind of heard through my circle of other early adopters or even some of my friends who are innovators that this is this is pretty cool. I want to be one of those first people to give it a crack.
1: Yeah. And again, you've sort of hit the nail on the head then. They like to be first. They like to, you know, appear knowledgeable and, you know, have that sort of early adopter kind of recognition from from other people they like to be able to you know participate in a conversation and feel like they kind of know what's going on and they're up to date
0: like this is your friend who like two years ago had like a bluetooth headset and the latest iphone and like like absolutely everything um you know they're wearing a heart rate monitor i don't know but like you know like they had all that technology that's now kind of become normal now this is the sort of thing we're like oh man like you're just like Tech'd out you've got you've got everything this is that person that that's kind of can sometimes be a part of their persona
1: are you looking for innovative ways for your organization to deliver more impact take our online assessment and receive a customized report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next it takes only 5 minutes to fill out and it's completely free visit impacto consulting
0: The section after that is what we call the early majority. Now you're starting to move away from that really like progressive open-minded groups to that more like bulk of the population, the people that are maybe a bit more logical, practical, maybe they're a bit more data-driven around how they take on change. They want to sort of see that it's that it already works. This is where sometimes I would personally say, I probably sit here or sometimes in that, that early adopter, but maybe between those two, depending on what it is I'm adopting. Yeah, it's almost like you've seen a few people that have used this new thing. Uh, maybe you've heard about that it's been great, or you've seen some um, outcomes. Maybe you've seen some marketing where it said, Oh, this thing's going to solve your problem. And you start thinking, oh, Okay, maybe this could also work for someone like me. They can be looked at as the people that might like look at review sites or speak to a lot of people or really like recommendations. They might be some characteristics of these types of people.
1: Review sites, recommendations from friends, hearing from other people who are already using that new tool or technology is really powerful for this group because it sort of guides them through that process
0: then you've got the next group which is the late majority so they're also kind of data orientated and they need to kind of be convinced but quite often by that early majority getting on board that late majority can sometimes then be influenced to take it on because it's almost that thing where it's like okay now like majority of people are doing this thing and i'm not what am i kind of missing out on that can be how that group works. They can be that little bit harder to convince, but once you kind of get that group, you've then got majority of, you know, people or different types of people on board with what you've got, that what you're trying to, you know, change. And then finally, you've got the laggards. Now, these guys are the 16 last 16%. And these are the people who are just resistant to the change. They don't want to be a part of it. They've seen everybody else get on board, but they're still like why? what's in it for me? Like, why should I do this? I don't need that in my life. They're the sorts of people that you hear them say, I'm never going to use the internet for this or I'm never going to do that. There's people that just like, I'm really happy with what I've currently got and I don't want to. And what can kind of quite often happen to laggards is, is that change becomes like uh, either legislated. So it becomes something that government says, you know what, this is now the way that it's going to work or the market actually stops offering what they previously were using and they have to change. That's quite often how those people will sort of get on board. It's a bit more of a kicking and screaming rather than a a, moving towards that change.
1: Yeah. I mean, we see that quite often around services. So, you know, banks will rationalise and close a lot of the suburban branches, which therefore meant that that some of those laggards needed to find new ways of fulfilling what they used to do, which might be, you know, every Tuesday, go into the local branch and take out their money and then go pay their bills via cash at the location. Now they're starting to need to be able to go, all right, well, maybe what I do is I'll, you know, go to the post office and that's kind of my hub. And then, you know, as that changes, then they're, you know, starting to, you know, maybe get some assistance to pay bills online and things like that. So they're sort of moving through, but really not because that's their choice, but because they've lost other alternatives.
0: And so I'll give you an example of an organization, and we try not to talk too much about Elon Musk on the podcast because it's such an innovation cliche, but with Tesla, Tesla's a great example of how he has used this curve to be able to you know increase the sales of his, his um, electric cars. Tesla had been around for some time before Elon got in, involved. And what he looked at was how are we going to sort of make this a, a profitable organization? How are we going to sort of sell these cars? And he thought about it and thought, well, who could be an early adopter? For something like this and he thought well sorry an innovator and, or an early adopter and he thought well what's the benefit what's our value for this particular idea and the idea was well it is it's a progressive idea it's the idea of looking after the environment and he thought okay so that's one part of the value proposition but what else what other elements and he's like well we could make this roadster and that would be like this sexy car that everybody's going to want but it's obviously going to be expensive, right? That's the thing. With new technology, quite often it's more expensive until it gets to a scale. And he thought, well, who the hell would pay for something like this? So it's like people who are really progressive, like technology, want to look good. Oh, I don't know, maybe like executives of tech companies in Silicon Valley. So they produce the Roadster and they use that as a way to get a market going. And then you would have noticed since then, you know, they now have like the Model S and they've got a whole heap of different cars. Now they're sort of moved all the way from like super fast, slick looking cars that are very, you know, either very progressive or very uh, rich people, you know, were sort of buying to now producing like family type cars. And now they're even looking at truck fleets and all sorts of things. But they couldn't really start with that family car because the price would have been so high and there wouldn't have been the value. So we had to find that first market. And as you can see as well, that as it goes down that curve, now other companies that were like, we're not going to do an electric car, are having to do an electric car. And so, you can imagine as well, those people who are like, I'm never going to earn an electric car. I love the smell of petrol or something like that. (laughs) They will get to a point where electric cars will be what's being offered. And they may even get to a point where governments actually say, you know what, we're not going to actually uh, allow petrol cars on the road. It may get to that. Now, we are a potentially some way from that, but you can sort of see where it's heading, right? Because of this scale and this momentum that he's gathering through going down that technology adoption curve, um, you can see how that is changing where we are and where we're heading.
1: One of the other ways that we often use this in our work is when people start talking about using different methodologies within their organisation. So, you know, we teach co-design and sometimes people will be like, look, I think this is great and I'm absolutely on board with, you know, shared decision making, but how do I get other people in my organisation to utilise this approach? And the advice that we always give them is very similar. It's like, well, you know, who are the people? people who are most open and receptive, start with them and start with teaching them small pieces and allow, you know, some wins on the board and then promote those across the organisation, tie them into the objectives that your organization's trying to, to reach and then, you know, then you've got that data set that's going to, you know, make those early adopters and and that, that majority sort of then start looking at that new way of working and they'll come on board. And eventually uh, it gets to the point where it is, well, this is how our organisation works and people who are not okay with that approach will either change, uh, learn to be okay with that approach or select to to go elsewhere so but it's through actually having that understanding of that there are different groups and that they need different things and those groups are different sizes and being able to tailor your response to meet their needs is really helpful when you're talking about any any change whether it's internal external technology or non-technology
0: I find personally when I break things down using this model it helps me to clarify and get and kind of get started like who could i get started with i think it can be really overwhelming when you're looking at implementing a change and you're looking at everybody as just one big group it's really really hard to to think like maybe you've just been speaking to a lot of people that fall in that late majority in those laggards and you're just like oh man like how are we going to get this across the line and then you might go, well, look, if you can identify that maybe those people are laggards or late majority, you could go like, well, if that's who they are, who, where would I find more innovators and early adopters as a starting point and what might those people look like and what might their needs be? And it, when you can do that, it just really makes, I think, innovation feel a little bit more can do rather than, you know, very overwhelming and potentially uh, very hard to do.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes we make the mistake of listening to the late majority and the laggards initially. And, you know, that's kind of who we try and address first. And that can be quite difficult because they need that, you know, support and data and they need to be able to sort of see where it's worked. So of course, when you're talking about something brand new, you don't have that. It is a a really big, from where you are to to those people so through taking that time to identify well who are the people who are going to come on board and listening to them and understanding what they need and then sharing that more broadly and getting their assistance to to broadcast that more and help to provide that evidence and those case studies and that um security and rationale that the other groups need it, it really does make it a lot easier
0: yeah absolutely so yeah, like let's get into the really practical stuff as well. So, you know, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, so that's easy. I can just invite people that I think that uh, in the early majority or the innovator space into my human centered design or co-design type projects. That that is that is absolutely an option. But another one that we throw out there is a little bit of a curveball that may not feel like a logical thing but i'm sure by the time i will hopefully if i get my words out today by the time i explain it it'll make sense so you can do that like i said you can invite those people that are those early adopters innovators to participate in your work but then another idea is is actually inviting innovators and early adopters along with late majority and laggards to your sessions or whatever that might look like to you to be involved in your project and why you would do this is because what you can actually do is learn what do those two groups have in common? So they're going to have a lot of stuff that they don't have in common, but there will be, guarantee it, a few things they do. And it can be a really you know well-used innovation technique to understand what that commonality is and then it build that into whatever you are creating. Because if you can find that commonality, then you'll have, and that it's like kind of the core of your offering, then what you'll find is, is that as you move down that, uh adoption curve you're not having to like flip and change things as you go to get more people on board you've kind of got the one thing and you know like if you wanted to go back to the um analogy from before maybe electric cars is that one thing that you know everyone does want at some time but because you know it could be cheaper or better or whatever there's many different reasons but maybe like you know the roadster is the first version And that's for those early adopters. But then, you know, you drop in these different versions of that electric car down the line. That's what you can kind of do if you use this approach. You can understand what's that core part of your service or strategy of whatever it is that it needs to be. And then you're able to then sort of like iterate that and have different offerings for those different parts of that journey. But you've always got that core thing that's important to everybody involved in that.
1: Yeah, it's that diversity of thought. And when you cast the net a bit more broadly and you get that diversity of thought and find those elements that, you know, within that diverse group that are common, then you can really use that as a solid foundation and and build off of that. I like that.
0: I hope you find that useful and it helps you to be able to really clarify your approach on how you can sort of get the most out of the people that you involve and and your thinking around how to sort of do something that is innovative and, and new. So thanks for joining us as always. Again, like we said at the start of the episode, thank you so much for listening continuously. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for all those lovely people as well that have been leaving reviews and sending us emails and all that too about you know how much they're enjoying the podcast. Um, we, we do appreciate that and uh, we'd love to see you on the next one. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.